0: Welcome to the Axis Effect podcast, where you'll hear the most compelling, provocative, and real conversations with industry leaders and innovators in tech, sports, and entertainment with our host and CEO of well known PR firm, Axis Entertainment, Sarah Miller. Hi, this is Sarah Miller with Axis Entertainment your host for The Axis Effect. I'm super excited to be with my favorite artist and one of my favorite human beings, Isaac Zano, one of the most phenomenal artists in the beauty and fashion industry. Hi, Isaac. Hey,
1: Sarah. How are you?
0: <laughs> I feel like we've run through half our podcast. podcasts chatting for the podcast. You. Oh my God. Okay. So I feel bad. I mean, I kind of feel bad that we have to redo our podcast, but I kind of love it because I feel there's always so much to talk about with you.
1: Well, we can, yeah, we, we start, but we never know when we're going to finish. So,
0: <laughs> this is an ongoing one, but this one is definitely going to make it. So, I'm always fanning over you, like everything you do. But let's talk a little bit about, we were just trying a little bit about NFTs and fashion. And as an artist, you obviously see the art and the beauty world evolve. You have Henry Bendel. Which you you see do all the illustrations. I've seen your Lancome stuff. There's Chanel. There's so much in design and art world with you, and I absolutely love this. If we're going to talk about your website and people can actually buy your artwork on pillows yes. and stuff, yes. but like, and I had this conversation the other day, and I hate using the word pandemic. We're so past the pandemic, but I feel like we're never going to be where we are unless we understand the past, which we can't change, and if we are where we are. There's no there there, but we've got to understand where we are now to where our future is. And I feel like with all this going on and being down for two years and where we are today, I feel like there's been so much movement in fashion and beauty and art. And if we talk about innovation that we talked about, you know, the whole NFT market that has just crashed and burned. Like, how do you feel about like, where is beauty and fashion? Was the NFT market just a speed bump to force them to innovate? For broader distribution and reach, or do you think it was just a really no, good idea for a I few mean, people?
1: I never been instinctively. I always felt like it was just another products to speculate and make money, and you know, it's not. It wasn't substantial. I didn't understand, and everybody was going into it thinking, "Oh, this is the new thing of what?" I I'm a guy. I'm a grounded guy, right? I'm not, I don't like to live in a meta world, a metaverse or whatever. I'm living my two feet grounded on the floor. I'm working with my brushes, my bamboo sticks, my paper, my watercolors and painting or whatever. And this is art, like a photographer when he goes to a lab to develop his own photos or the sculptures, like working the material. I mean, what? I mean, I don't get the NFT stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was for a moment a little bit excited because we did a project with, as you know, with Suzanne, NFT thing, which I think it's great. But at the end of the day, look, I don't think this conversation should be more than like two minutes talking about NFTs (laughs) because that's exactly what NFT deserves. Just not even... Two minutes
0: of our time. So it's not so much about the NFTs, it's just how fashion... And art have evolved. I always.
1: Mean, it's always been a collaboration with art and fashion more than ever now. Obviously, as we see when you see LVMH and all the big brands, luxury brand collaborating with big contemporary artists, I think it's great. They need it in order to renew a little bit their their creativity and their products because otherwise it's always the same thing pretty much. But at the end of the day, I think it's great It serve the artistry and, and support the artists. But I feel that it should be a little bit more daring, exploring with more different kind of artists. I feel it was kind of turning around with always the same kind of people, you know, yeah. the same group. So it's starting to be a little bit boring also. So.
0: <laughs> well, so, like, so when I met you, you had Henry Bendel's. And then you, when they shut down, you moved over to um, Le Paul, which was the travel collection Lancome right before COVID. I mean, it was just absolutely beautiful work. But what are you working on now? I mean, where is like we, you know, where is the future of Isaac?
1: The future of Isaac is I want to collaborate more with different kind of house goods products. I would like to do a China collection. I would like to definitely continue to develop my pillow art pillow collection a stationary line that I started already, but I want to make it bigger. I'm still talking with partnershipping with someone in Korea and a guy in Paris is doing my pillows to develop more, you know, SKUs and products. The idea is to try to be a little bit more competitive in price tag because unfortunately, you know, when you do right now, I'm doing my things made in France and it's very expensive. And in terms of sales, it's not crazy. It's very like slow, but people appreciate it. I know that my work is something you either just like have a crush on or you don't care. You know what I mean? It's really, so it's a very particular niche. It's not for everybody, but yeah, it's a slow process. And I'm a slow burning, slow <laughs> guy, you know? I feel it's always been like that, you know, in my career. It's, I've never been like, I don't like, I don't like going too fast. Even driving, I'm driving, I can, I can be crazy driving, but I'm not. I, I I think if a piano vasano in Italian, you know, if you go slowly, you short your ride.
0: You go at your own speed, your own pace. Like, which is, I think I love that because I think as an artist, you do have to go slow because you always have to stop and pull from inspiration to create. The beauty and art behind whatever it is going on in your head. So I do love that. But you're also like you're in New York, so talking about going slow, it cracks me up because New York is such a fast paced city. But I know you spend a lot of time in France, a lot of time in Israel. So talk to me about your process of like how you process. I mean, what does inspire you? Do things just come to you? Do you lean on certain people or certain you know places around the world that you need to be in for your inspiration?
1: Well, I'm a big observer. I observe everything. I look at everything. I'm very much drawn to details. And I'm just like, I'm a scanner, you know? And it's really about a moment, a mood. And it could be um, artwork, you know, in the gallery, music, people, you know? People, friends, beautiful woman, you know, like a moment. Uh, I love cinema also, movies, yeah. you know? And I, I like to capture what I can. Those kind of, you know, moments, you know, that that almost like Polaroids moments, like instantane. you know. But I'm inspired by pretty much everything, by beauty, that's for sure, by nature, by silence also, you yeah. know.
0: Yeah, I love that you have like a, you're, so some of the people who quoted you, they call them Isaac girls. Because right, you have such a distinct look. And my eyes like girls. Your eyes that girls. Talk about your eyes like girls. <laughs> what, what, because your style can, through all of the brands that you've ever done. And then the
1: max- of you, I'm not aware of it, but I
0: it,
1: <laughs> always hear it from people like you and, and people who appreciate my work. They let me know. But, you know, my eyes like girl is it's definitely a girl who kind of uh, travel a lot, you know? Along the years, and uh, she was in Europe. She was in Paris, and then uh, she moved to New York, and <laughs> and she's starting to become, um, you know, totally uh, emerged by the the culture and the fashion and the style. And and then uh, I do remember when I started working with Pendel, my girls were very much imperfect in the sense that they have big nose and you know they have very strong, you know, features. And the more and more I was working and the more and more I've been asked to kind of uh, erase a little bit all those, like, exaggerated features. And I realized, wow, this is it. This is like the real New York girl now. I mean, this is the girl in the street because, obviously, living in New York for almost 25 years, you know, being out and about and looking at the girl. And you remember we have all those fashions and eyes out and all that stuff. And I see the girl and Sex in the City, you know, and all those kind of, uh, you know, pop culture, visual stuff definitely inspire me. But, yeah, I'm trying to go with the flow and to capture the moment and the elements of the moment, the fashion detail of the moment. You know, I love fashion. I love fashion like really I love fashion in the sense that. I love the aesthetic of things and the beauty of things. And I'm not cutting things from the magazine and putting in the book. Everything is in my mind, in my brain, and it's out there. It's in my it's in my own, like, storage, you know, brain storage. And uh, once in a while, it just pop up when I'm in oh. a great uh, inspiration moment. Move.
0: I always call like, you're perfectly imperfect. It doesn't matter how bad you look, bad day, the gym, you didn't wash your hair, you're in you know, tennis shoes. It is is all imperfectly
1: perfect. I try to not be perfect because I think perfection is definitely the enemy of just something good. Good is good, you know? I mean, trying to do better generally destroys in my process when I'm creating, for example right now I'm working on Susan Miller calendar 23, right? I'm finishing up. And sometimes I'm caught in the, in, the, in the thing where I want things to be perfect. And I have to do a kind of mental work to accept that just have fun with it. Don't try to be perfect. Just try to capture a moment. My work has to be lively, has to be at some yeah. point, it must be a kind of a central focus thing on, on the artwork, which is good enough. You remember we had the conversation about masterpiece. When you look at portraiture or masterpiece, generally is not finished. I mean, the hand is never finished. There is always something was not yeah. totally done, but it's done at the moment. The painter probably realized that he was able to capture something quintessential about his model. And this is what I what I do with my work. If I feel like if I'm drawn by the character I just draw, if there is just an element who's just strong enough to carry all the imperfection around, for me it's good enough, you know, and it works because when you and Suzanne or my agent and the people are looking at, they get kind of um drawn by it and they don't notice the fact that it's not perfect perfection is boring anyway who wants perfection yeah. right
0: now i just i think it's also society puts like so much pressure on us to look and be a certain way from fashion to now social media i think is getting a dangerous i mean you, you know from dating to fashion to how you should look what's perceived as beautiful. I mean, I just think...
1: Don't you think that right now we're embracing more and more differences and you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be yourself. And by accepting who you are with your imperfection, you shine through and you are, you're noticed. You're noticed because this is contagious, you know, when you feel good about yourself. You know, you can be like not pretty, I will say, I will say, think of, okay, I have an example. Rossi Di Palma. You know Rossi Di Palma, the actress, the Pedro Almodovar wow. muse? I mean, seriously, you're looking at her, she's like ugly, beautiful, but but she's stunning. Nobody can look like her. She's unique. She's amazing, right? And I think that's I, that's my message to women and to men's because men starting also to kind of make it like, Transformation on their face, which I hate, but I think everybody should embrace their should. I think, just, I think it's features.
0: also your like self worth, your value. I think social media really does damage to people because it's being used to show off, you know, filters. Look, I'm skinny, I'm tall, I have this perfect life and boyfriend. I just feel like people have got to understand their own. Inner value and worth, and get off the social media. So, it's such a dangerous thing when it comes to how you feel about yourself. But, like, you, you've done uh, some amazing pieces of work. You've worked for a Chanel, a Chanel, Lancome, Celine, you just have Estée Lauder, a Sephora, I think, for a while. And besides, obviously, Henry Bendel. So, like, and we've seen between Vogue and in style and all the magazines, like, your whole world is fashion and beauty. And I feel like we talked about this last time, you know, from runways to magazine covers, like beauty isn't perfection, you know? And, and I, there's so much out there that changes our perception of what reality is in the world of beauty and fashion.
1: Yeah. But I hate when I I'm sing uh, imagery where we can't kind of emphasize the fact that you're not perfect and we exaggerate it. And then it becomes more dramatic and even monstrous and ugly and scary. I hate that. I'm not a big, you know what I mean? Like you see in those kind of cool magazines where where you have like crazy editorial where it's like really pushed to the point where it makes you feel like uncomfortable. I don't like to feel uncomfortable. I think that it's very important to express beauty at its purest form and beauty is everywhere. Everybody is beautiful to me. Really is. Yeah. yeah.
0: Which is which is a good perspective to have especially given you're so deep in the beauty industry
1: yeah i mean i think it's 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 out there we're getting there i mean it's 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 this is what the uh the voices are doing right now but we need to integrate it now not just like being you know noisy about it, but this is what I say. It's like in religion, for example, what is a religious person? Someone, if you don't integrate the goodness of any kind of dogma, because I believe, okay, some people, I mean, religious or not, but I'm a believer, for example, I believe in God, right? So I believe in God, but I don't believe in God. Like, I believe that this is a tool to make yourself Better a better person yeah. to refine yourself, right? To integrate to your life, if it's just like to do things, you know, like the the rules and and being like in the dogma as a stupid. No, you have to integrate the philosophy, the meaning, the power of it, and and to transform yourself. So I think that's we need to do that now. We need to integrate really all this philosophy and idea that we're putting out there. And to integrate it like to something genuinely real and authentic, you know? Otherwise, we're phonies. We're just phonies, like flipping out like to one idea to another because we go with the win. And, you know, for example, we kind of embrace right now oversized models. And I think, okay, I think it's great. to not ostracize oversized because there are people who are like big size and they need to be shown and they need to be celebrated because they are beautiful. But also, it is important to send a message that the health message, the health issues of it. You know, if you promote like being fat, I mean, it's okay. No, it's not okay being fat. I mean, it's not okay because it's not healthy. You know what I mean? I'm sorry to be crude, but it's known that people overweight, unfortunately, they die young because, you know, they have cardiovascular issues, diabetes and whatever. I mean, I'm not going to. But it is also, you know, we kind of extreme the way we deal with those image issue. We need to be yeah. just real and inclusive and real and caring. It's about caring. You know, it's about really taking care of each other.
0: I think it's like, you know, because healthy is beautiful. But I do think there's that misconception of what healthy is and what beauty is. I mean, look at the runways. I mean, there's the runways are changing. And I know we talked about that for a bit. The models on the runways have always been that stick thin, super tall, that the Kendall, you know, Kardashians, where you have to be size zero. And, you know, there's always a lot of, these women or these models who they're voicing it. Well, no, I was told I was too fat. I was told I wasn't pretty enough, attractive enough. I mean, and they're they're powerhouse brands right now because they kind of push the noise out. They focus up what the truth was. And I, you know, are we seeing a lot of these differences on the runways or the runway still strutting down, you know, five, nine, six foot size zero models?
1: I think at the end of the day, forget about the models. We want to show the clothes, right? Yeah. And it is true that when you put a beautiful dress or suits or whatever on a beautiful man, cans, it's falling down. It's beautiful, right? And then we have to make it happen for you, for your size, obviously. Mm-hmm. So now to me, it's like it's either skin or even like curvaceous. Why don't we have something normal between also? If we really go for it, then start to introduce like less taller, normal body shape. You know, like the regular, everybody, because the majority of people are not like, you know, six foot tall and skinny and
0: or... But but a lot of the designers, though, Isaac, a lot of the designers are still making the clothes that drapes down tall, very thin models. Yeah, I know. I
1: I, I remember Dior. Remember when A.G. Slimane was doing uh, Christian Dior? And actually, Carla Lagerfeld, celebrated Carla Lagerfeld, is starting to lose the weight because he wanted to be able to wear those Dior suits, right? Made by A.D. Sleeman. It was the only reason. I know, very, <laughs> very, you but this is kind of like, you know, kind of crazy. But I'm sorry, I wanted to go, but I'm, I wasn't that skinny guy and I couldn't buy, there is no way I can find a suit with my size. You know what I mean? I'm not obese, but I'm not skinny. And I love clothes and it's a problem. So I have to go to other designers Thanks God. I always can find something amazing for me, but it's kind of very elitist. It's kind of very... I don't know. I i, I don't like that. I don't. But Who are, anyway. Yeah.
0: Who are some of your favorite designers?
1: Oh, I have to go in Europe, obviously, in Paris and Belgium. I love Dries Van Noten. I think he's an amazing designer. I like the old, like, unverse guard, you know, like the Van Noten. Like Alexander
0: McQueen, Christian Lacroix...
1: Lacroix, uh, La Croix, was, was amazing. Uh, it was amazing. Unfortunately, he didn't really, uh, he's doing a lot of home design and everything. No, but I, I, I love my, I love the French designers because I kind of learned my craft with that, with that group of people. But at the end no of it, Gautier? Uh, oui, Gautier, yes, of course, Gautier, absolutely. It's, it's l'enfant terrible, as we call it, uh, very, very creative, but Europeans are very creative. Italian yeah. Europeans are very creative. Even English people. American, we are much more conservative. We have a sense of uh, business and we kind of, uh, the way we translate, you know, trends, it's always more conservative and more easy to sell. Which yeah, but if, totally you look,
0: really if you look at European, like you got Yves Saint Laurent, Torte Cabana. I mean, you have LVMH. All the big designers are all out of Europe. They're not out of the United States.
1: Well, it's a conglomerate running a lot of designers, obviously. Yeah, I just, I just, seriously, Sarah, I just wish it was more affordable. I think everything is way too expensive. And we know the cost of things, but seriously. But, oh, hey, they don't want to keep it elitist, and, but I think we, sh- we should push it to be more um. We need to democratize those kind of beautiful design. I think beauty should be accessible to everybody, you know? So there is great collaboration with mass markets like Charger or, uh, I don't know, they're doing things like that, like H&M. I think it's great, but I don't know. It's almost like we give you crumbles. I hate that.
0: Yeah. I used yeah. to love H&M. The one in L.A. has some pretty clothes. And then when Nordstrom's bought them, it just kind of became more of the gap. Basic Nordstrom's buyers T-shirts, jeans. There was nothing lost that like that flair of design, that one of a kind look.
1: What yeah. is your favorite, Sarah? What is your favorite designer? Who's the favorite designer?
0: Um, so I like Tom Ford for men. I love Versace. I, I just I, I have some spectacular, not all the patterns, but some of their lines and stuff. I like Alexander McQueen, Jean Paul Gaultier from the art. I do like Dolce Gabbana, Roberto Cavalli. Yeah. I just, like styles. I mean, so I you like
1: so- sexy clothing and and uh boom kind of. Uh, I do,
0: but like, but then I go from like the runway. Then I, you know, and I go from the runway down to jeans and a t-shirt and cowboy boots, being in Scottsdale. Yeah. But you know, but I'm. It's still about putting both oh, the belts. It's it's about putting your outfit together. It's accessorizing. I could be in jeans and a t-shirt and a pair of. And actually I did it the other day. I was in jeans, a white T-shirt, faded jeans. And I got these spectacular Christian Louboutin, like sky high heels that laced, wrapped up the silk, wraps up your ankles. So I I don't think it's about having to be in expensive jeans and a T-shirt. My shoes were spectacular if you want to talk shoes. But I feel like it's, you don't need to be head to toe runway. You just be what's comfortable. What makes you feel good? What makes you feel beautiful? And you can always add a pop. Of an accessory
1: or a shoes. I think, I think no. the key is you don't want to be self conscious when you wear something. Yeah. Just want to feel you know just good about yourself and 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 forget about the clothing. Yes, you want to feel beautiful and sexy or handsome and you know and powerful and whatever. Because as we know, it's true that the the look is very important, right? The way you present yourself to the society or. But it's really when when you can, when at some point you just forget about the old circus about fashion, it is it's it is important to just like feel good about yourself and, and yeah. powerful. And something
0: it's also your like personality and your style. Everybody has a different personality and style. But I, I do go back to, this is where I think the beauty, the fashion industry has done such a, they, they just leave such deep scars on people that makes you feel like you need to look a certain way, wear a specific outfit or be a certain way to be accepted. And that's not true. But we're so screen driven with social media, you know, and magazines and what the industry and social norms are that I think we kind of lose back to what's true and real to ourselves at times.
1: You know, my daughter, she's turning 22 next year. And it's interesting because it's very helpful. And a lot of girls from the same generation they don't they just get dressed the way they want they are not trying to look like the Kardashian or
0: yeah. they like
1: to watch she she said to me she liked to watch a Kardashian because she find it entertaining and hilarious and stupid and she really laugh of it but at the end of the day she likes the second hand clothing substantial being creative yeah. you know playing something simple but customizing and making her own. You know, she's very much like that. And a lot of young people doing that. So it's very hopeful. I think it's interesting that they understand that it's more interesting to work the cult of personality versus trying to be like everybody else. Nobody wants to be like everybody else. Everybody wants to be very special and unique. And as a social media where everybody wants to be a celebrity and to be noticed and having billions of followers because they are so special. Right, so this is also the other side, and this is another conversation. But I think this generation, this young generation, they are definitely more conscious about fashion, the industry, the consumerism, and all that stuff. You know, they're really they're smart about it now. They get it, and they're also very conscious about you know being green, the planet, you know, the the ecology movement, definitely they worried about tomorrow and they want a better world and they want to save the planet, you know, which is good.
0: So you, you like, so you've been sketching and painting your entire life. When did you know you wanted to be an artist? Like when did you know in your life that the career was going to be where you are now?
1: Well, when I was a kid, uh, I was drawing all the time and I was good at it because I mean, I was good at it because my teachers, my parents, my family were said it was good, right? So I say, okay, I'm good. So you know, there there is an era where I can shine through and yeah. special. <laughs> but it really started when I went to Les Arts Appliqués in Paris, and I met my teacher, Mrs. Vareille, who actually recognized my talent, and she wanted to prepare me for the the concours, the end of the year concours to enter the school. And I met also there people who were like pigmalians who drive me to the fashion world because the husband of Suzanne, one of the girls who was in my class, was working back then for Kenzo. He was doing all the prints for the Kenzo collection. So they brought me, they were there, brought me the first time to a fashion show in Paris. And I saw Kenzo, francois de Elisabeth de Saintville. It was in the 80s and early 80s. And, and then I was fascinated. And then I decided to work in fashion. I wanted to do something. I didn't know what I wanted to do with fashion. Yeah. But the old imagery, you know, the fashion show, the models, the light, the music, the, the look, the clothes. And there was something so an- intoxicating and sexy about it. Right. So I was totally drawn into it. I didn't know what I wanted to do with it. But, you know, I started doing some fashion sketch. And Suzanne and Thierry uh, were very excited and they really pushed me to go. And I was lucky enough to have some family working in the schmatis industry. And uh, I started working with them. And then from them, I jumped to other designers. And eventually I started to... I was like, you know, I saw a documentary about Karl Geffeld. He was just drawing. He never touched one pin of his life, right? But... I was good designing clothing, but I wasn't good doing building clothing. <laughs> so that part was too boring for me. I was more interested by the art, by the illustration, by the, you know, the drawings. So eventually I started working for trends bureau, like Promo Style Carlin International in Paris. And I was illustrating the trends fashion books. And from on and on, you know, it leads me to meet a young, a small advertising agency. I started collaborating with them. And then I started to have some names of agents, and I contacted my agent in Paris, and everything started from there. Wow. I started doing storyboard and sketches for uh, advertising movies, and eventually I did a promotional piece with nice copywriting and nice illustration, and I the phone started to ring. Magazine wanted to work with me, and I started doing like editorial and stuff, and and this is uh, the big breakthrough was. In 90, I think it was 98, no, 96, it was Chanel. I did the launch of Allure, the perfume, and it was my big breakthrough, and it all started there. And I think it was a couple of years, less than a couple of years, in 98, I moved to New York. I was contacted before I moved to New York by my agent, Michelle Rebellovich, Traffic. She wanted to represent me. She saw the work because I was really everywhere. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. And when I arrived, I started working with all the department stores and Henry Bendel. Noticed my work and I started working with them. Like one here, one little illustration here, one little illustration there, and they never stopped. And then they kind of uh, grabbed me and they say, "Okay, this is it." And it's been almost a 22 years long-term relationship. It was my real American dream. Henry Bendel was.
0: Was that was Henry Bendel your favorite of all? I mean, you can't really say that, but from the past, what was your Favorite project or favorite designer? The favorite era that you were or who you were? No, for.
1: Chanel. Chanel. It was my beginning, but it was really amazing because it was super challenging. I had a week to illustrate, to do, to create 46 original illustration wow. for allure, and I was working day and night. And I was. I remember. I was. My body was feverish. It was crazy. But you know, when you're young, you have this kind of you know, energy and, and Anna Lachartre, who was the initiator of this project from Vu sur la Ville, an agency in Paris who only used illustration, illustrator artist. He presented the final products to Chanel and Jacques Helleux, who was the director, the perfume director. There is Carla uh, Garfeld and the Vertemort family, the owners. They saw the project. It was a final, you know, execution project. Everybody loves it. Jacques Heru wanted to do it, but with somebody else. He tried to kind of cancel this project. But thanks God to Carl Lagerfeld and the Chanel people who said, no, oh, we love this. It's done. It's fantastic. We're going to use this. And then Alain came back to me and said, okay, you got it. She said, what do you mean you got it? He said, well, you should know that until I presented the final work, I didn't know if it would work. Are you kidding me? You say that's why I never told you because I knew if I told you it was something up in the air, you would never do the job properly. So he did a good thing. He made me believe I had the I had the gig and until the end and it was everywhere. I had the press talking about, and it was fantastic. And Chanel owns the artwork in their own vault. They bought it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so because I know they, you could, they could pay you to do the stuff, but you still own all the original masters. Chanel, are they one of the only ones that actually owns all the original masters of all the no, work? Then? No,
1: it's no. I mean, people commission me some work. Bendels, uh, some people at Bendels have, uh, have original, and some of my customers ask me. And sometimes when I have a great project, I just you know offer the the final artwork. But generally, they don't you they don't own the original. I own all the original, and they have only they buy out the the uh, usage of the artwork, you know, and the copyrights, but the original—it's very rarely, and I think it's only Chanel who really bought the original. Yeah. because this is what they do—they they, they own everything.
0: That's Chanel; they should own everything. Not Chanel, own. but Bendel
1: for the story. Pascal Lonné. Back then, I was working for Franckyfe. It's a very chic uh, department store in the 16th arrondissement of Paris, with Passy. It's a small department store like uh, I don't know very much like Bendel actually but very chic very BCBG, you know bon chic bon genre as we call it and Pascaline the uh, the PR girl once she, she told me when I was working there she said you know Isaac you need to work for Henry Bendel New York this is your this is your store you should work for them I didn't know about Henry Bendel I never heard of Henry Bendel and I say Henry Bendel okay <laughs> I never really pay attention to it until I moved to New York. And then I started working for Bendel. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God. Oh my. I remember the first meeting I had with Terry Turner at Bendel. And she said, okay, we love you. We're going to work with you. I went out. I took my phone. I called Pascal Lone. I said, Pascal Lone, Isaac, how are you? Guess what? What? I'm working. I just left the office of Bendel. I'm going to work for Bendel. I knew it. I knew it. Congratulations. This is amazing. It was like crazy. It was like, I mean, it was like a premonition. She knew it. It's crazy.
0: I actually love Bendel. I was actually surprised upset Bendel shut down. And it was very yeah. pandemic anyways. But.
1: Uh, it's been, oh my God. You know, it's interesting, Sarah, because I never have a chance to really talk about that. But it was hard. It was really hard for me. It was very difficult emotionally because it was hard. You know, I worked for those people. I saw so many CEOs passing by, our directors. So how,
0: long, how, how long were you designing for Bendel's for?
1: I started in 98 and I finished in
0: 2018. That's a long time. They became family, time. the Bendel was, family. That's it was, when you became known for the Isaacs girls, the Bendel girls.
1: Yeah, it's a blessing and a curse because... <laughs> You know, I'm thinking like, you know, when you have, it's like one trick pony. I'm not watching pony, but it's true that I was the Bendel guy and it kind of stick to me. But hey, I'm super proud of it. I love what we did. It really yeah. turns out amazing. I've been challenged all the time. I was doing murals, windows, life, section, portrait session. Yeah. I mean, they've been, Bendel has been very, very kind, but you know, it's, um, it is what it is. You know, I think this brand should come back, but stronger and better.
0: But the Bendels just completely shut down. They didn't get bought out. They just shut the store down here in the state. Well,
1: they didn't went to Chapter 11. They didn't bankrupt. They just decided to shut down the whole system because uh, they wanted to, I don't know, they wanted to save Victoria's Secret in a way. So Victoria's Secret took over, which I totally understandable. It was like milk and honey. But uh, Bendel was doing great, actually. Yeah. And I know people were criticizing Bendel for being too pedestrian and too one notes and, you know, because Bendel, they've been known. Unfortunately, I didn't know Bendel before the Bendel, you know, on Fifth Avenue, the Bendel on 59, which apparently was the most amazing experience store, department store, super luxurious, super fun, whatever Turns out that when I started, it was still to me super exciting because we have all the designers, the, you know, the makeup and beauty, blah, blah, blah. And they have those open and see where they, they were the only store, department store in New York when they they leave an opportunity to a new designer to come and show up the collection and sell it, right? So they decided somehow it was a strategic point of view to brand Bandel. And yeah, and little by little, they remove. The multi-brand and designers, and there were more and more Henry Bendel products, and then it was mostly accessories and and candles and some perfumes. Yeah. And
0: they girls. remind me a lot of Barney's. Remember Barney's here in Beverly Hills.
1: No, but Barney's, of course, even in New York, Barney's is what's say. But it's it's. I think that the problem with Bendel at the end is that. It was it was Bendel. It was just up at Bendel. It was great for the out-of-town out of coming in New York because Bendel was an iconic institution, fashion institution. I mean, everybody dreamed of the brown and white stripe, you know, shopping bags. And it was, it's true. It was, we we used to call it the playground, the girls' playground. It, it was true. I mean, I I saw the customer coming in and being super excited. First of all, because the building was just stunning. With the René glass and you know the stairways and yeah. no, but you it was my home for a moment. It was the end of an era. Long year. moment.
0: And I at the, the closing party, end of the era. I have one of my sketchings when I sat for you. It was it was amazing to watch you. Everybody was dying to get an etching with you and get time with you. Let's talk before you run out about Isaac, the world of Isaac. Your website yes. has your history. I love. As has all the art and beauty, everything inspired you and where you've been. But you're now selling your classic Isaac design. There are some pillows on there. Well, are you going to move into the home for furnishings? Or what is your plan with this? My plan is connecting with
1: people. I'm, I need to work with people. I feel a real connection. So I'm picky. So I'm going to a company, uh, for example, the best crystal company, or the best China company, or the best. And this is what I'm trying to do right now. It's to try to connect with those people to do things, and hopefully it's going to happen. I mean, I did it with Lippo when I was in Paris. You know, the baggage company. I went to the store and I say, "Oh, you're doing collaboration. I would love to do collaboration." And the smart store manager took my number. She passed a message, and I received a call the day after. We like to meet you. You know, it's it's. I believe in this organic because all my life was like that. All my collaboration work was very organic. It was a love story. It was a real connection. So, this is what's going on. What this is what I'm doing right now. I'm like kind of in the between. I'm kind of exploring. First of all, I left New York to live in Connecticut. I'm living in a house by a lake. I'm like the country guy now. I mean, quotes. I'm not. I'm still a big city guy, yeah. but you know. But enjoying that, and I'm just right now. It's it's interesting. It's a moment. It's a very interesting moment for me. You know, I've kind of uh, we have the COVID and we have all that stuff. We went through the pandemic, and yes, it's behind us. But at the end of the day, it transformed everybody. Right. So I think that I'm in a creative process right now. I'm in work in progress. I'm back to being inspired, which is great, and having ideas. I just like in a kind of a nebulous right now where I'm trying to figure it out, who's going to be the actors, the people, the collaboration. But I'm still doing what I'm doing, which is the pillow thing. It's something I want definitely to develop. The stationery, definitely I want to develop that because it's an easy way and accessible way for people to... By my art and beautiful. I love
0: that you're doing the stationery. When is that coming out? And when is that going to be available? I
1: started already. I'm selling in a couple of stores only, exclusively. I'm selling in Cold Spring, Paulette Cold Spring, and uh, Griffin and Greg Barrington. And it's a tasting. It's like two tasting stuff, and it's doing well. People like it. So now I need to develop. I'm creating. I already started creating a lot of visual for new it's a new station online, but the idea is to do a lot of, you know, visuals to attract as much as possible people with team based on, you know, love, friendship, birthday, mother's day, father's day. Uh,
0: Are you, you going to ever consider doing like paintings and portraits? No, no, no.
1: That's also something I all. Okay. Absolutely. I'm also, and I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm kind of a guy, I don't want to talk about something that I is not there yet, but I'm still yeah. in the process of working on my own artwork and painting. You're, the create, so, you're in the
0: creative process. We don't want to disrupt the creative process. And yeah,
1: the creative process it's really between commission jobs. I'm doing my own thing, right? And it's a slow process. I have a reputation of being a a fast, you know, illustrator and Because I believe in drawing. I love drawings and drawing should be fast because this is where you get all the juices and everything. But when it's about painting and and colors and, you know, my personal artwork collection, it takes time, right? So I'm trying, right? I'm exploring. I'm exploring. But I give you a hint. It's going to be, I'm going to start a series of portraits of locals, you know, people around here because... I discovered an amazing community of creative and very interesting people with very fascinating stories and amazing personality and characters and face and whatever. So this is something I'm working on right now.
0: That's amazing. So where? So for anybody who needs to get a hold of you, where can they find you? What is the website? Because I know your pillows and your story and everything is available.
1: So on my website. website. Yeah, yeah. My website is izakzenou.com. I-Z-A-K-Z-E-N-O-U. Dot com. And when you explore, you have a gallery and you, where you can find prints that you can buy, limited edition prints. Very good quality prints for the price and good size, which is not cheap, but not expensive. So you have a piece of art signed by me. And there is also... I mean, you have to go. Go to my website and explore. Tell my story. Yeah. thing. That you can find me and you can also reach out to my agent at trafficnyc.com. She's my New York agent. And if you guys live overseas, you can check Virginie Illustration. That's also my agent. And if you go further (laughs) around the world, you go to Japan and you ask for Taiko and Associates. She's also my agent there. And yeah, it's easy to find me. You know, you go to my website, you can shoot me an email, and I always respond to people, always.
0: Yeah, which is what I love. And they can find you on Instagram. You're on Instagram,
1: your- I, I, I like the new underscore illustrationist, definitely. And you can check, it's a very, Instagram is a great window. I mean, I did a great job for Victor and Wolf. I had to paint about 200 bottles of flower bomb, paint <laughs> flowers on it. It was the craziest job, but how they find me. And it's two Gen Z girls who work there. They were looking for a guy doing flowers, happened to have a flower on my Instagram and they love the flower. They didn't know who I was. Humbling moment. And uh, I say, great. And I have the job. And it turns out that the chef project was a very good friend of mine. And she said, oh my God, he's like, what are you doing here? Are you kidding me? Are you lost in translation? I don't know. You picked me up. But Instagram, Instagram. And I learned that, you know, I grew up where you go from agency to agency with your portfolio. We send portfolio. And now it's Instagram. It's everything like week. And I needed to tell them who I was, what I did. Nobody knew. I mean, it's very, it's humbling and scary at the same time.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's amazing to see your artwork. Hello, Hello, it was love so good having you. Artists, you. know, <laughs> it's so good having you back on the show again. I always love catching up with you. Oh, i great.
1: Excited. I love. I love podcasts. I love. Uh, I think it's cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I love that people can see. I mean, short of your website, the pillows and stuff, the 2024 year ahead calendar with Susan. Miller at Astrology Zone comes. Yes, I wanted to the say fall.
1: something though about Suzanne. I mean, Suzanne, she's I amazing. Mean, I mean, how many years now I illustrated the calendars? It's good, Six. 16, 17. No, six years. Six years. It's of six calendar. years. This is the 60th year, I think. Was, yeah. And this yeah. is amazing because she loves everything I'm doing. And she reminds me, remind me of Bendel. By the way, she loved, she came to me because of Bendel, obviously. But It is so nice working with people who just trust you and, you know, give you carte blanche and it's amazing. I really appreciate that. And she's such a lovely lady anyway. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I'm so excited for the calendar. It's the most exquisite job on these calendars. Oh, so good having you on the show, Isaac love having you on always this is sarah miller with the axis effect i'm here with isaac zano my favorite artist phenomenal talented man everybody's got to go follow isaac and buy his pillows and watch him in the fashion world isaac it was so good having you on and we'll catch up with you again soon thank you sarah thank you for joining us for this episode of the axis effect podcast If you don't want to miss an episode or download past episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Axis Effect podcast on your favorite podcast provider. To learn more about the podcast or our guests, please visit theaxiseffect.com.